everybody all right? Yeah. Man, let me tell you I'm what I'm excited about. Uh, I'm excited at all the incredible organic things that are starting to take place for the kingdom in this neighborhood. That uh, people people are becoming the church. Uh, the church isn't walls and buildings. The church isn't even a lawn. We're the church. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the church. You are the church. And the church is supposed to be having church. And so, so whether we have, uh, and yeah, granted, as, as a fellowship, there are things that we're going to be doing and organizing. We're, we're in the process of ramping up our women's Bible study and our men's Bible study for the fall. But the fact that we have people getting together to do Bible studies, because that's what life is about, not under not for the sake of having a banner over their head or for the sake of promoting anything other than the word of God and Jesus. We've got prayer meetings that are starting to just crop up organically where folks are like, we want to get together and pray. And, and that's, man, I love that. That's, we want to foster that. We want to facilitate that. That's really kind of, the, uh, a, um, kind of a personality and a characteristic of, uh, this neighborhood is, is that people just kind of get together and hang out and fellowship and, and, uh, so why not do it as the church? And and uh, not only that, we got folks baptizing people. Man, I love it. But back in the old days, it was like, hey, why don't you come to church so my preacher can baptize you? Well, the preacher doesn't have to. If you're discipling somebody, baptize them. If they've given the heart of the Lord. I, matter of fact, I just found out this week, David Croft, I understand you baptized a woman not too long ago, didn't you? I think it's awesome. And you guys are trying to help her move in somewhere. So, so. Oh yeah, she she was back from California. So so uh, uh, if you guys want to show off, any of you men want to show off your muscles or anything and help somebody move in, see Gina Croft. She's she'll give you all the details on that. But but um, I'm excited because yes, we do want to grow Gathering Church and praise God for Gathering Church. But but I will be really honest. I am more so than promoting Gathering Church. I just want to promote Jesus into every life. And Jesus said, "If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me." And, and so, so, hey, we, man, those of you who are putting this Bible study together, man, we bless you, uh, man, I, I do the work of the, do the work of the church, you know, for those of you doing prayer meetings, do the work of the church, those of you witnessing and running around and God gives you an opportunity to baptize, man, baptize, do the work of the church. Hey, Amen. Just do it, do it because you are the church. This isn't the church. This is a wonderful way that we can come and fellowship, but you're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. We are the body of Christ. Amen. Woo. Hey, if you're happy today, look at your neighbor and say, glory. I grew up with participatory church. So just, you know, want to make sure everybody's awake. Hey, I know it's hot, but it ain't like it was last week, is it? So we can be thankful for that. A little humidity. Hey, it makes your skin look nice and glowy. That's a nice politically political correct way of saying sweaty. So we're going to read today. If you have your Bibles or if you want to, to uh, uh, go to gatheringviridian.com or if you have your Bible app, we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 15. I encourage you to look there. If you, if you don't want to, just follow along really intently with your ears. We're going to be doing a lot of reading. Now, oftentimes when you're being trained to preach, they say, don't read a lot of scriptures. And I'm thinking, well, that's what, you know, Scripture is going to do a whole lot more than what my verbalization will ever do. So uh, I don't want to apologize for that. We're going to read a lot of Scripture. We're still talking about the covenant. We spent a lot of weeks talking about faith. 
believing in God, trusting his word, actually believe, not just believing in God, but believing God. If his word says it, believe it. And, and how that can actually change your walk. Now we're, we've been studying about the covenant. We all kind of know it. We all know the covenant to some extent. We all say, well, I believe in Jesus, so God's going to take care of me. Yes, but it's, oh, it's so much richer and deeper than that. If you can understand the complexity and the layers in which he is taking care of you, man, all of a sudden, yeah, we all say it, but yet why do we have so many Christians full of anxiety, full of doubt, full of concern, full of division, full of pain, full of hurt? Why do we have so many Christians that struggle? We, whoa, we pray, we pray, and we say, I'm, I'm believing in God. But then all of a sudden, we stay up all night fretting over stuff. Man, if you learn to walk in faith and walk in his covenant and understand how deep and rich his covenant is, you can be free from anxiety. You may have anxious moments. You ain't, you'll no longer have anxious days. That's one thing I've learned over the last 13 months of growth in my life is I, I, have, I have challenging moments. I don't have challenging days anymore because a moment... So a challenge may come up and I may feel slightly anxious. I may worry. I may fret for a moment, but all of a sudden the word of God that I trust in starts welling up in me and that becomes my anchor and I, and I write my thinking. That's what we want to do. A lot of people, we got, we got a whole world full of people that said, well, hey, I believe in Jesus. Woo, that means I'm going to heaven. Sure, but man, it, it's so much deeper. Yes, he wants to bless you in the sweet by and by. But he's going to walk with you and give you victory right here in the nasty now and now of this world. And this world can be nasty. And this world is grungy and it is dirty. Life gets complicated. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that everything is sugar plums and fairy dust and foo-foo smells. Man, sometimes when you're a Christian, it gets even tougher. But he promised that, hey, he's overcome the world, so therefore you can overcome the world, right? So... We're talking about the, the, just a real quick recap, and then I want to set the stage for chat, Genesis chapter 15. Everyone still with me? You're not too hot yet? Nope. All right, let's do this. Let's go. I'll try to be as quick as possible, but we're going to get into some meat, right? Y'all like steak? We're going to get into a little bit of steak today, okay, with this covenant. Uh, God had told in Genesis chapter 12 is when he first started laying the foundations of the covenant. He said, Abram, I'm calling you out of the land of Ur. And I want you to give up your country. I want you to walk away from your family. And I want you to walk away from your father's house. And trust me, because I've got a land for you. I've got territory for you that you're going to occupy. And he said, and don't you worry about it because don't worry about leaving your country because I'm going to make you a great nation. Don't you worry about laying, uh, leaving the, the favor and the network of your family because I'm going to bless you with, with abundance. I'm going to bless you with favor. I'm going to bless you with everything you need. And don't worry about leaving your father's house because I'm going to give you a name that's going to be great and established. In other words, he said, if you would, what, what, how it applies to us is this, if you'll just let go of all these false pretenses that you think are so secure in your life, if you'll let them go, because everything about this planet and about this realm that we live in is, is transient. It, 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 it doesn't last forever. If you're putting all your hope in your retirement, well, who knows if that bank is still going to be around that's holding your retirement by the time you get around to retiring? Who knows what the economy is going to be like? Who knows what the world's going to be like? I'm not placing fear in your life. I'm just saying if you're going to put your hope in the things of this world, well, look how quick our world changed just this year. Look how much our world shut down and just this year. So so don't put your, your, your faith and hope in, in this world. Put it in 
Christ, I'm telling you, if you will walk with God, he'll take care of everything you need. That's the beginning of this covenant. And the covenant was about faith. Abraham had just had to believe. Okay, God, well, I'm going to start walking with you. And so he started walking with him, right? So as, as, he, as he began to walk with him and, and he left his country, he left his home, everything, and he started walking all around this area that, that would eventually become Israel, he, he started to grow in wealth. He started to grow uh, in wisdom. He started walking with this God. He had ne- it wasn't like he was serving God before. The land of Ur, it was a pagan place. The Chaldeans were pagans. And yet God, the true living God, called him out of that. And so up until now, he had been walking around just by faith. I've been hearing this voice. I've been feeling this hunch in my heart. I've been feeling this tug. I got to go. I got to have faith to do it. His, he takes his wife. His, son, uh, his nephew Lot went with him and Lot's family. Now, understand, you got to understand something. On your faith journey, there are going to be some people that want to tag along that wasn't called to walk the same faith journey you were. And they're not going to understand some of the things that you got to do. And sometimes they'll become a stumbling block and a roadblock. Sometimes there are going to be times uh, in your life that you've got to kind of put some distance. <laughs> you can still love them. You just got to put some distance uh, because God's got a specific faith journey for you to walk. So, so just to kind of give you a, a little bit of foundation to go into verse uh, chapter 15, uh, the time came that Lot and, and his group and all the men that, that worked for him and all of his herds were taking too much space up and Abraham's servants and Lot's servants were fighting over where to graze their animals. And so Lot and Abraham got together and said, look, we need to split up. So Lot goes toward the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham goes this way to keep walking his faith covenant. The, the Bible talks about this ruler named uh, uh, Chedorlaomer. How about that for a crazy name? Uh, well, he was a ruler that was strong-arming a bunch of other rulers in the land of Sodom. If you're familiar with uh, uh, the layout of Israel, it would have been right around the Dead Sea, that whole area. And, and uh, basically, if any of you guys... For those of you who are big Walking Dead fans, he, he was basically Negan, right, over all these other little villages, right? And so for 12 years, he ruled over all these other little rulers. Well, they decided, well, we're going to raise up our villages, and we're going to go against him. And they rebelled. Well, Cheddar Lomer and his guys said, no, you're not. And he wiped them all out. He, he took all their people captive and had all of their supplies and their spoils. And someone escaped, came and told Abraham and Abraham said, man, my, my nephew Lot is part of that. So Abraham, by this time, had gotten so blessed that he was able to get, raise up a small army amongst his servants. And they went out and they defeated Cheddar Lomer. They did what all these other people couldn't do. They defeated Cheddar Lomer. And then they come back and they're able to, to meet uh, with all these other kings. And, and Abraham's got all these people that he just set free to return back to their villages. And all these rulers, the Bible said they met in the Valley of the King. And there were multiple rulers that came out, one of which, ironically, was a guy named, a ruler named Melchizedek. The Bible says that he was king of Salem. The word Salem, actually in Hebrew, is shalom. He was king of shalom. What does shalom mean? Peace. He was the king or the prince of peace. Well, wait a minute. We know who the prince of peace is. There's a lot of theologians that believe that that uh, a lot of theologians believe that, that this was perhaps an early manifestation of Christ. Who knows? We can, we can talk all day about that. But, 
But he doesn't come out and he doesn't ask anything of Abraham. What he does, he actually blesses Abraham. And he gets Abraham's attention because he says, he said, blessed, blessed are you by God Almighty himself. Well, Abraham's like, oh, you know about this guy? Because ain't nobody else been knowing about him. I'm the one who's been hearing him. He said, hey, you're blessed by God because you defeated it. He gave you the victory. And not only that, he's blessed. And so he actually blessed Abraham. And Abraham, Abram, he wasn't Abraham yet. Abram gave him a tenth of everything he did. So Abram actually paid a tithe to the Prince of Peace. Hmm. Ooh, somebody's getting nervous because I'm talking about money now. That's going to come later. Don't worry. I ain't going to talk about that today. But then the next, the next guy up was the king of Sodom. And he said, Abram, I want you to keep all the supplies. Just give me back my people. You keep all the supplies. That would have made Abram extremely rich and wealthy. Man, I would have been having revival right there. I would have said, because the king of Sodom, Sodom was a pretty bad place. And the king of Sodom was a pretty wicked man himself. And Abram, man, I would have been like, woo, the wealth of the wicked had been laid up for the, for the righteous. Thank you. God has used this wicked man to make me rich. Thank you so much, God. You're so good to me. Abram, man, what a man of faith. He said, no. He said, I've already taken a vow about you to God. I said, I'm not going to let you make me rich. So we're not going to do that. He said, what, am I, what I'm going to do he said, you get everything back, your people and your supplies. I'm just going to keep, keep whatever my men needed to eat on and nourish himself from. But no, you're not going to make me rich. And he moved on. Now, he's human. I'm sure by the time he got back to his camp and his, his little dwelling area, he's probably thinking, stupid, stupid. I just walked away from, I just had a man try to give me $2.5 million. I just walked away from it. God, I hope you're real. I hope you're really going to do what you told me to do. Now, that sets the stage for chapter 15. All right. Hang on, my tablet's getting all funky on me. All right, here we go. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Now, we're going to stop along the way because I want you to see how incredible this is. This covenant all along that we've been talking about, say, why are you hanging out in the Old Testament so much talking about the covenant? Because it's all about Jesus. Everything that we're doing from the start, all the way in Genesis, it's been about Jesus. Every book of the Bible is about Jesus. Everything in your life needs to be about Jesus. So chapter 15, verse 1, after these things, after that whole battle, after Pantai the Melchizedek, the, the king of uh, Salem, the prince of peace, after turning down money from the king of Sodom, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, stop right there for a second. Think about this. God shows up in a vision, but it says the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. The word of the Lord. Now we, we call the Bible the word of God. There was no Bible. There was no Old Testament. There was no, there was no Torah or Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. That, was, that didn't come about until most scholars believe Moses had, had, had to do with the writing of the Pentateuch. The word of the Lord, there was no Bible to show up. What does he mean by the word of the Lord? John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined into the darkness, and the darkness still can't quench it. And the word became flesh, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the manifestation of the word of God. The word became flesh and we beheld his glory, the glory of the first and only begotten. The Bible says, John chapter one tells us that the word of God is Jesus. He was there all along. So look at this, isn't this crazy? A few thousand years before he manifests himself in flesh to die for our sins, he shows up in a vision with Abram. Abram looks up and he actually finally sees this God that he's been serving and walking with. Because listen to what, what the word says. The word starts speaking. What does he speak? It sounds very Jesus-like. He says, fear not, Abram. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield. Hey, I'm going to protect you. I'm your shield. I'm your covering. He says, your abund I am your abundant compensation and your reward shall be exceedingly great. He's saying, Abram, you did a good thing by not accepting the king of Sodom's reward. Why? Because I'm your compensation. Don't worry about riches and money. You got me. And if you have me, you don't need a thing. I'll take care of everything for you. And your reward is going to be, it's not going to just be abundant. It's going to be exceedingly abundant. What the king of Sodom wanted to do was give you abundance. What I'm going to give you is going to exceed all abundance. Man, can you understand the depth of this covenant that when you have Jesus in your life, it's not just a matter of you punched your ticket to heaven so that you can be with him in the sweet by and by and play your harp and flutter your wings. No, it is that everything you need on this earth, you have in abundance. It's not about fortune and fame and money and material things. It's about Jesus. I sit in my home every day and I realize I don't need a thing. Why? Because if a need crops up, he's already got the provision for it. The word provision, pro, before, preemptive, vision, everything that you will encounter this coming week, he's already seen it and he's already got what you need. That's why with this covenant, you can only, you just have an anxious moment. Oh, I have a need. Oh, wait. He said he's going to provide it. All right, Lord, provide it. Thank you. And then you go about your way. That's, an, that's a powerful covenant. And he says, and Abram said, this is what Abram responded. He goes, Lord, what, what can you give me? You've already provided everything to me. He calls the word Lord. That's the same response that Thomas had when Thomas said, I got to see his nails I got to see the nail, the nail prints and feel the scar and on the, the wound in the side. When he actually got to encounter it and he had a revelation of who Jesus was, he, he bowed down. He said, my Lord, and my God. That's what Abram, Abram, all of a sudden, he's waking up. He's actually finally seeing this God that's been talking to him. And he calls him Lord. He says, Lord, what can you give me? You've already given me everything. But he goes on to say, look, I'm going to go on from this world childless. And he who shall be the owner and the heir of my house is this steward, this Eleazar, of Damascus. And Abram continued, look, you've given me no child and a servant born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. So what he's saying, he's like, 
Lord, you've blessed me with so much, man. I got so much, I've been able to put my own militia together and go whip up on the king, the, the ruling king of this area. What more do I need? But what you haven't given me, you've not given me an heir. I've got a servant that's been born in my house that he's the head servant of everything. He's, if I die right now, he's the one that's going to get everything. You've not given me this name, this prolonged name. So this is what the word of the Lord. And who's the word of the Lord? Thank you. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, oh, uh, uh, oh, hang on, I'm getting ahead. Yeah, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man shall not be your heir, but he who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside his tent into the starlight and said, look now toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he, Abraham, Abram, believed in, look, all of a sudden he had faith, right? It goes back to faith. He believed in, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness, a right standing with God. Because he had faith in what the word of God said. God said, all right, you're righteous. You're thinking right. And he said to him, now notice what the word of the Lord is saying to him, because I'm sure Abram's still freaked out about this. Like, who is, I'm seeing this manifestation now. He says, I am the same Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as an inheritance. He said, look, I'm the same one. Don't you be afraid. That voice that you heard, that pull that you felt, that was me. That was me all along. Isn't that wild? to know that this whole thing started with Jesus. It's about him. From the beginning, from the foundations of the world, the Bible says he was slain. In other words, God's original plan all along to reconcile mankind to himself was always about Jesus. That's how deep this covenant goes. And he, Abram, verse 8, says, Lord God, by what shall I know that I shall inherit it? How do I know what you're saying is true? You say that you made a covenant. We ain't even done the covenant walk. You remember what I've been saying? Back in the Old Testament, you have to split the animals, lay the two halves on the side, walk through the animals, and state this covenant. And both parties normally would do that. Abram's trying to hint at we haven't even done that yet. He says, verse 9 says, and the word said, bring to me a heifer three years old, a she-goat three years old, a ram, three years old. Now, why, why three? There's all, all these, all these uh, numeric things throughout the Bible that's three because, it, because the power of God always manifests in the third. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Why? Because it rests in the third. The Godhead is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. By Father, he created the universe. By Son, he redeemed it back to himself. But the power of God is manifest in the church via the Holy Spirit. Why? It sits in the third. Death, burial, resurrection. The power of God is manifested where? The resurrection. It's not so much that you die out to yourself and that you bury your old man in Christ, but the fact the power in your life comes from the fact that you are manifested that you are resurrected as something new. Why? So notice, he's doing it here. Hey, give me a three-year-old heifer, three-year-old she-goat, three-year-old ram. Why? Because he's trying to show that there's manifestation in the third. And then he goes on to say, give me a turtle dove. 
and give me a young pigeon. He brought him all these things, cut them down in the middle. So all of a sudden to Abram, he knows, man, this is getting real. This God is doing the covenant walk with me. We're cutting animals in half. We're about to do the covenant walk. He cuts them down the middle, laid each half opposite the other, but the birds he did not divide. And when the birds of the prey swooped down upon the carcass, Abram drove them away. Let me just say this. There are going to be times that the, the, the birds of this world are going to try to swoop down and steal your covenant truth, steal, steal the word of God from you, get your mind off of this covenant relationship. And Abram shoot them away. He spent time keeping them off the carcass. There are going to be times you got to do that. You're going to have to shoo away the birds of this world, doubting thoughts, doubting speak. Sometimes you're going to have to turn cable news off. Sometimes you're going to, you know, sometimes you're going to have to unplug from the internet. Why? Because you ain't going to get anything edifying off of that. You're going to have to get back into the word, concentrate on your covenant relationship. Verse 12, when the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram and a horror, a terror, a shuddering, a fear, a great darkness assailed and oppressed him. Now, let me kind of give you a, re, a, a quick synopsis of what took place. About, so about five or six o'clock in the evening, all of a sudden he falls asleep and he has this horrible thought. And the word starts telling him, the word of God starts telling him in this vision. He says, look, he explains, you're going to have a lot of descendants. Matter of fact, they're going to have to go and be slaves in Egypt for 400 years. But don't worry, they're going to come back and they're going to inherit this land that you're walking right now. And when they leave Egypt, they're going to be blessed and wealthy. They're going to walk away with the riches of Egypt and they're going to establish this land. Don't you worry about it. But you're going to go to your grave, an old man. You're going to be blessed. I'm going to honor you, right? Then let's hop down to verse 17. Abram's still asleep. He's seeing all this vision. Christ is still talking to him. He says, when the sun had gone down, so all of a sudden now it's nighttime, and thick dark darkness had come, behold. Now you remember, during this covenant walk, normally both parties, if I was going to make a covenant with, uh, with Isaac over here, we would split an animal, we would both walk between the halves, and we would state the terms of the covenant. Abram is passed out asleep, seeing this vision. In other words, Abram is, for all practical, practical purposes, dead. That's the thing about this covenant. It is unilateral. You don't walk through the halves. You don't make this covenant with God. Christ makes it with you. You die out to yourself. I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live, not I, but Christ who lives within me, right? So he goes on to say, when the sun had gone down, thick darkness had come upon, the, uh, a smoking oven and a flaming torch passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant, a promise, a pledge with Abram, saying to your descendants, have I given this land? He starts stating the terms of this covenant, but so what passed between, there were two witnesses that passed between the animal halves. It wasn't Abram. It was a smoking oven, because you have to have two witnesses passed. It was a smoking oven, and it was a flaming torch. The smoking oven, smoke is, both, both of these items are symbolic of the presence of God, but they're two different facets of the presence of God. Smoke throughout the Old Testament uh, and even into the New Testament, some is symbolic of God's presence, but it's symbolic of 
the judgment of God's presence. His presence brings judgment. The torch, the flaming torch is symbolic of the illuminating presence of God. His presence brings illumination and enlightenment. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I abide in his word, I can see where I need to walk in life. It, he will light. Just before service, there, there was a couple of things that have cropped up with us. Well, what were we doing under the pavilion over here? We were asking for guidance and for wisdom. Why? Because we understand that the word will illuminate our path. He'll, it'll let us know what we need to do about some things when we turn to him. So what about this, what about this oven and this torch? It's all about Jesus. You remember, this whole covenant is about Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 42, and he, Jesus, charged us to preach to people and to bear solemn testimony that he, Jesus, is the God appointed and God ordained judge of the living and the dead. Christ is our judge. What about the torch, the illuminating torch? John chapter eight, verse 12. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in dark, but will have the light, which is life. It was Jesus who walked in between the halves. This whole covenant has to do with him. And the fact that, the fact that, you have faith in him means far more than just that you've punched your ticket to heaven or that, hey, I get to go to church or, hey, I've changed my lifestyle some. No, it's that you are walking in such covenant that everything you need, your whole life will be led and guided by him. He will supply all your needs. He will bless you. Say, what about when I go through troubles and trials? He's gonna use it all for good. I'm not saying it's going to be fun. I'm not saying that you're going to enjoy every bit of it. But I tell you, everything I have had to walk through in my life, I look back and I can say, thank you, Lord, because had he not brought me the way he brought me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Had, he done, had I tried to do it different, I would have messed it all up. It wasn't always fun. Sometimes the blessings aren't fun, but you look back later and you say, no, that was a blessing. It wasn't all mountaintop experiences. Now, this is what's wonderful about this. We're going we're gonna to hop over to Galatians chapter 3. The fact that you have faith in Jesus is what grafts you into Abram's covenant that God made with him. That, hey, don't worry about leaving your country. Why? Because I'm going to make you a great nation. Think about your household being looked at spiritually as a great nation. He said, I have land for you to occupy. Do you realize you have some, some place in the kingdom of God that is yours to occupy? You got a place in the kingdom of God. Isaac and the group standing up here today talking about, we're going to have Bible studies. What are they doing? They're occupying a place of the kingdom. Lord, let this be a fruitful place. Let it be, let it be thriving. Let there be harvest in this land. He said, he said, I will, I will give you, bless you with favor. I will bless you with abundance. I will bless you with a name. Woo, we've been given, we talked about it last week. We've been given a name that's above all, every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Whatsoever you pray in my name, he said. Whatsoever you pray in my name, believing you shall receive it. 
You can drive out demons with that name. You can speak healing into lives through that name. Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 16. Now the promises, the covenants, the agreements were decreed and made to Abraham and his seed. This is the apostle Paul talking. He says, with his seed, that God said, I, I will give this covenant to your seed, his offspring, his heir. He, God, does not say, and to your seeds or to your descendants, your heir, as if referring to many persons, but, and he says, to your seed, singular, your descendant, your heir. Paul says, obviously referring to one individual who is none other than Christ, the Messiah. So this covenant was actually made through Abraham and was referring to Christ himself. Christ made a covenant and he fulfills it on the cross, right? Well, if it's just made to Jesus, how do we fit into it? Paul goes on to say in Galatians, those of us who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. We've climbed inside of him. We were wearing Christ on us, right? Galatians chapter three, verse 29. We're gonna wrap up with this. And if you belong to Christ, does anyone belong to Christ today? Let me see you. Do you belong to Jesus? If you belong to Christ, are in him who is Abram's seed. So in other words, you are in Abram's seed now. Then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to this promise. There you go. If you have Jesus, you get to walk in this covenant. It's a faith covenant. It means... Look, I don't know how it's going to turn out for you. I don't know how you're going to work your way through this situation. All I know is if you will just believe his word about the situation. Stop talking about your problems. Start speaking to your problems. Speak to the mountain. Decree his word over it. All I know is if you'll just walk in faith, it's going to be okay. It's going to turn out. And when it's all said and done, you're going to say, I don't know how you did it, Lord, but it's you. I'm seeing that in my own life right now. There are some situations in my life that six months ago, I thought, how in the world are you going to, it's too big. It's too big for me to move. I started speaking to it and speaking the word over it daily. And now some things that have happened in my life, it's God and God alone. That's all he wants. He wants you to realize that you can't do it under your own, your, your own knowledge, that all your worldly securities ain't going to amount to a hill of beans but it's him and him alone that's going to take care of you. And if you have Jesus, you've got it. It's all about Jesus, all of it, all of it. Let's all stand and we're going to pray. Woo, I've been in this mood for old songs lately. They, sometimes they preach to me and I know y'all know it, so y'all better sing it because I don't want to just hear my voice on this because it's all about him. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like a fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth Proclaim, kings and kingdoms will all pass away. There's just something about that name. Father, I praise you today. I praise you for the name of Jesus and the power and revelation 
that comes with it, the illumination that comes with it. Lord, I pray that if there's no, someone here that's not given their heart to you, that's not made a commitment to live for you and ask them, ask you to be Lord of their life, they'll do so today in their own way. Lord, those who may have been walking in fear, doubt, faith, set them free today because through faith, there is no fear. Through faith, there is no anxiety. Through faith, victory is guaranteed. Through faith, there is truth, and that truth sets us free. Hallelujah. Can we just praise him for a second? If you want to sing out to him, you can. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. The Bible says sing a new song. Sometimes you got to just sing your prayers. Amen. Amen. Keep your mind on the Lord for a moment. Father, we thank you. Speak to us today. Lord, I know it's getting hot, but we're going to just wait on you for a second.